All right. Next question. Hey, what's up? Hey, dragon. No helping. What's my favorite color? Seriously. Black? Slightly darker black? Chartreuse? Blello? A mixture I created when I was nine out of blue and yellow. What are you guys doing? No helping. Uh, chartreuse? Guardians to our first officially titled Speculation Cast. This week will be a theory that I have. If you have a theory you'd like to have discussed, email us at destinylorecast at gmail.com for a chance to have it read and discussed like this. I, of course, am a non-pig, and with us this week we have two of our fantastic hosts, Mythos Mike and Handsome Dragon, as well as our special guest host, Guardian. How is everyone doing tonight? I'm doing just fabulous. Awesome. Yep, doing good. Staying busy. Doing good. Almost done with my raid. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> well, uh, this week we'll be talking all about, well, let's just say Ikora for now. Uh, so let's move on to the weekly highlight. Weekly highlights will vary with each episode. They can include community stories, fan fiction, gear and weapon text, grimoire, general hype, etc. But this week's weekly highlight is another first. This we will be a uh, a segment from our friend Rhino, and uh, we really should have had him come up with a a name a name for his his segments because segment. it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a repeat uh, thing. Not not every week, just every every now and now and again. <clears throat> about rhino's ravings that would be that'd be nice the light shines brightest in those it consumes hello everyone this is rhino and today we're going to talk about the helm of inmost light the great god pan was a story written by arthur Machen. A version of the story was published in a magazine previously named The Whirlwind in 1890. Machen revised and extended it for its book publication together with another story, The Inmost Light, in 1894. The Inmost Light is about an experimental death scientist who extracts his wife's soul, but in doing so, a new horror must take her place and goes on a murder spree. We learn this happens because the empty shell is taken over by unnatural dark forces if a soul is willingly removed. On publication, it was widely denounced by the press as degenerate and horrific because of its content. It has inspired many modern writers such as H.P. Lovecraft and has a reputation as a masterwork of classic horror. Ka, the Egyptian concept of vital essence. Death occurs when Ka leaves the body. Haket, or Meskanet, are the creator of each person's Ka, breathing it into them at the instant of their birth as a part of their soul that made them be alive. This resembles the concept of spirit, or your inmost light. 
Egyptians believe the Ka was sustained by consuming offerings. Ak was a concept of the dead associated with thought. Following the death of the physical body, the Ka helps reanimate Ak. But a proper funeral had to be followed as well as constantly consuming offerings. This ritual termed Seok to make a dead person into a living Ak. It can be even developed into a ghost or a roaming dead being. So you see, we kind of have these ideas in modern day horror of mummies rising from the dead until their Ak and Ka can be restored and create their inmost light once again. The Book of the Dead, the collection of spells which aided a person in the afterlife, had the Egyptian name of the Book of Going Forth by Day. They helped people avoid the perils of the afterlife and also aided their existence, containing spells to ensure not dying a second time in the underworld, and to grant memory always to a person. In the Egyptian religion, it is possible to die in the afterlife. But if you did, this death would be permanent. Thanks for listening, guys. You can find me on MuleHornGaming.com or at Twitter at Rhino underscore 666. Peace. All right, so that was our first segment uh, ever from Rhino. Uh, what did what did everyone think about that really quick before we move on? I thought it was cool. I like how he, you know, you kind of draw from, you know, the, the sci-fi we get in Destiny with, like, the ghosts and this kind of, like, crazy afterlife type of... Um, story with our guardians mm. it's like there's kind of there are ideas like that already in our, our world right now like talked about the mummies and different um, theological ideas with the Egyptians so that just that the parallels he draws there are pretty awesome agreed it's definitely interesting to see how much out how, not outside but excuse me it, it's interesting to see how many outside references and outside influences that Bungie pulls into their games um there's a lot of symbolism based in not just American culture, but cultures from abroad and thoughts of other people than maybe just the personal experiences that the developers have. So it's it's interesting to see that we can draw these connections, even even though they might not be on the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things about Destiny is getting into some of the lore and seeing how it connects to real history, especially when you're related back to a lot of the Egyptian history. And having someone go through and talk about that is really interesting. Yeah, yeah that's that's what uh, that's what Rano's going to be doing from now on. Uh, obviously, you can find him on his Twitter. Uh, he does that every Thursday. He does like a, a long string of tweets. That's essentially what this would be. It's just an audio version of it to give a like a more accessible uh, way to to hear it to digest that that awesome lore let's get his get his name out there yeah definitely oh, super wow. smart guy yeah. he's always really great guy awesome. got some great ideas so right. it's definitely a good good guy to get out there so then let's let's move on to my theory now i want to i want to first say before before we even before we even before we begin um 
I'm proposing this, not necessarily saying, like, this is absolutely true, like, you need to believe me, and stuff like that. Uh, this is definitely more of a spinfoil theory, and it's more of a hope than it is a theory that Destiny 2 will be bold enough to take story directions in this manner, where uh, it develops a character with an actual twist and not just simply it's a straight line where we see the end before we've reached it type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's it's an interesting possibility, but I don't think it very much likely to be completely honest. Although I do think it it is interesting how they're sort of teasing, maybe not necessarily teasing the possibility, but they are sort of in a manner leading us to this conclusion. They definitely put it in our minds. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Before we begin with this theory, I think it's important to talk about Cade 6 for a moment. I know we already covered Cade's lore and Hunter Vanguard lorecast, but to really ground in this theory, it's important. Cade, as you're all aware, is the Hunter Vanguard, and a Vanguard is one of the leaders of the Guardian community. Sitting behind a desk and taking the lead, being in charge of people, being held responsible for not only his own actions, but for those beneath him. Essentially everything that Cade doesn't want. He wants to relax and do his own thing, and if it wasn't for the Vanguard Dare, he wouldn't even be in the position he's in. So this is from uh, Cade's Challenge. It is true that finding a Hunter Vanguard representative to the, the Vanguard has always been difficult. Their independent point of view is not something we can survive without, though. And so, over the years, we've had Hunter mentors come and go. That is, of course, what the Dare is for. Zavala. So... Now let's look at the teaser trailer, Last Call. We see Cade in his element here. In the heat of battle, he stops to get a drink. As he does so, he retells the story of the initial Cabal attack, even now calling it a boring meeting and an ugly contest where everyone was winning. Playing music to set the mood, pouring a drink, and talking to a sweeper bot as the city falls around him. Called back into action by a warlock and a hunter running by only after one of the few remaining walls of the bar falls. And now let's move on to the Rally the Troops trailer, which shows us that the Vanguard has been separated, with Cade and Nykora seen together in the city and Zavala outside of it. The purpose of this video was to inspire Guardians to fight, at least from a lore perspective. So the obvious candidate is Zavala. He's the vanguard commander, everything the guardian populace does goes through him. But as I said, he's separated from half the group, so the obvious choice for the B team's inspirational speech would fall to Ikora Ray, wouldn't you agree? Well, that's what I'd think at least. Why is she not? She's not shy to speaking up when she thinks she should. In the opening cinematic of The Taken King, while the vanguard looks at the Dreadnought for the first time, she talks about needing a warlock on there. She clearly holds herself and her mentees to a high regard. Kate even mocks her afterwards, saying, oh here we go, as if to say she's done this several times before. But Ikora isn't rallying her troops. Kate is. Now, I'll admit Cade rallying is likely a product of filling the gap and pleasing the entire audience, whereas Ikora would just be a mirror to Zavala. But if it's, but what if it's more than that? 
What if Cade felt pushed to step in? Even so, he even so he wasn't serious in his speech. What if Ikora isn't actually there? What if you wa- if you watch it again, you'll see that she only interacts with Cade. And even though Cade absolutely fails to get any reaction out of the crowd, their full attention is still on him. Why wouldn't they? Why? Hmm. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they, why wouldn't even just the warlocks be looking to Ikora to save the speech, to rally the troops and inspire them to fight? Why didn't Ikora speak up when Cade couldn't even remember the name of Gaul? Why is it that Ikora is barely even needed in this scene? I think it's because she died in the attack. Not initially, and it won't be revealed immediately within the game either. So let me explain. I believe that the story of D2 will begin with Zavala's team. That's where our Guardian will start, getting an opening and closing cinematic to our first mission, which is the Rally the Troops trailer and a little extra, just like we did in the Taken King. One of the objectives shown to us in detail is, uh, from from the descriptions, uh, to defeat the Red Legion and confront Gaul, you must reunite humanity's scattered heroes, stand together, and fight back to reclaim reclaim our home. So starting on the outskirts of the city, we'll not only have to go after getting new powers and armaments, but we'll have to push into the city's remains and reunite Cade's and Zavala's teams. Now I know the immediate reaction to me saying that Ikora died in action is that we see her in the trailer, and yes, technically we do, but in my opinion that might be a misdirect and there's a few reasons why. Now I completely understand why people would say this isn't enough information to base this opinion on. But really, there's one line that's said in the video, followed by a scene. A scene which was actually tweeted out by our very own community manager, Deej. Uh, Zavala's speech says, Despite the sacrifice of many brave guardians. At this point, we're shown a solo shot of Ikora turning as if it's her reference image when introducing her to a crowd. This scene was also tweeted out by Deej with the text, My life for you, Ikora. So, that's sort of the basis to this theory, that Ikora doesn't make it in the scenes that we... And there's, 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 technically there's two takes that you can do. Either Ikora dies after Cade's speech, or Ikora dies before Cade's speech, and Cade is sort of imagining her there, hallucinating to see her, sort of like in a <laughs> pang of guilt. Where I'd like to, it's, it, and that's what I mean. I'd like to see character development touch on stuff like that, where Cade's bullshit in the middle of battle finally caused something to happen. Where instead of fighting alongside Zavala and Ikora, he was fucking off, and possibly because of that, Ikora died. And while he might have not gotten along with her all the time, he does at some level hold himself responsible. And because of that, he sees her, and she mocks him for being unable to, sorry about that, (laughs) for being unable to, to rally the troops. 
together and that's when he goes for a lot of loot and like everyone's like going nuts he's like, <laughs> yeah yeah you know and um but i think the the biggest thing is just that one line where it says despite the sacrifice of many brave guardians and it shows her image it's just that we're, we're not from destiny uh necessarily but just from media in general we're taught that a, a, a build up a scene like that with a line in a scene like that we're taught that's this is relating this is talking about this this character this scene and uh to be followed up with Deej tweeting out my life for you Ikora immediately after that release I think it's intentional yeah I could definitely and I can definitely follow along with you there um, it would be an interesting twist if Ikora was just kind of this imaginary yeah. part of Kate's uh, mind now where he's just kind of mm-hmm. he feel, feels the guilt of her dying and blames himself for it, whether it's his fault or not. You know, and then yeah, like you said, that would maybe that's what encourages him to kind of try to take on that more of that leader role that he would normally that. kind of push off. I don't even think off. so much that, that would be encourages him to just guilts if, him into it. Yeah, if if. <laughs> I can't see if there's another vanguard there. I can't see him standing up to give the speech. But if he's the only vanguard there, he sort of has to. It's become a thing of necessity. I mean, you see that he says that you guys are the only ones left. You a bunch of dirty misfits. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's certainly plausible mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah, but the first time I watched it, I I got that same feeling when he said you know the sacrifice of many brave guardians and it shows Ikora and I was just like oh, fuck no they better not kill her mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like no um, but I, I kind of do agree that the story kind of has to have like that big that almost like that loss it's like Rise of Iron we, yeah we lost a lot of the Iron Lords you know we got to see this cutscene of losing Jolder but that wasn't really a character that we'd grown fond of over the years mm-hmm. by the time we came on the scene uh Jolder was already dead um that was just kind of a scene of seeing it but even seeing that cut scene with with, with Jolder was you know it kind of it was emotional it kind of got you had the feels watching it so i can't imagine losing actually a, a member of the vanguard or even someone like the cryptarch or the gunsmith like people we've mm-hmm. seen for the last every day for the last three years almost It'd be tough to see any of them go down. It kind of your your feeling of empathy is really twanged as a gamer when you see that cutscene with Saladin because I mean, at least you have an attachment to Saladin. At least some some people do, and I think that just seeing that his seeing one of his mentors, one of his friends, one of his close allies perish in such a way. I mean, that opening that that cutscene that is brutal. I mean, you can see the some of the Iron Lords just getting ripped through by Siva, and it's I mean one of the darker portions that I've ever seen in this game. And that, that, mm-hmm. that cutscene alone, I think was the most impactful cinematic that I've seen in, um, in destiny so far, just because of the brutalness of it. And it, it it's definitely, um, I just think that your like I said, your sense of empathy is really triggered as a, as a gamer in that sort of 
in that sort of scene because you have an attachment to Saladin and the further you learn about them, the more that you can come to understand just how much we lost by losing all of them. Mm-hmm. I also feel like if we were going to lose anybody, it would be Aikora. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, Zavala is, he's not really emotional. He's very closed off. He's very much of the, just a strong leader. Um, and then Cade Six is just kind of the fun guy who he, he never really gets in trouble or gets hurt, but other people get hurt by him. And it's Nathan Fillion, so you, I feel like you can't really kill that character, especially since so many people love him. But with like Korra, she's kind of this balance where, from just in the game, she seems kind of just normal. But once you start reading into her story and her background, it gets a lot more emotional, and she seems much more of a real person. And I think that would make it so much more crushing to see her die because you see the things she's done and you see the relationship she's built and how she's interacted with people, especially during like Owl Sector. It's like she has much more of a connection to the people around her and her warlock orders than Zavala or Kate do. And I think seeing her die would be the best, the worst, but the best person to die would be Ikora. Yeah, she's because she, of that. She does sort of fall in that like perfect middle where Kate is too loved and Zavala isn't loved enough. So mm-hmm. she's just like mm-hmm. that, that in between where it's like people would be sad if she was to die. Um, uh, one thing I do want to touch on uh, really quick, I, I actually to throw back to the Rise of Iron losing uh, Yolder and the Iron Lords at the beginning. Uh, Rise of Iron didn't exactly do this. But it's it sort of does this. Uh, I it's something I always think like whenever you're writing whenever you're writing a fiction of any kind, um, what you should never do and it's I like to call it is don't kill the comedian, uh, which is a reference to Watchmen where uh, a character called the comedian was killed in the opening scene, and ninety five percent of the people who are going into this movie are just like okay who was that guy that just died and don't they don't care there's no Mm -hmm. emotional attachment to them whatsoever it's but the movie just sort of thinks if we kill someone people will be sad uh and that's that's sort of what the iron lords were but uh we did have a bit of a connection uh vicariously through saladin and the lore like we were aware Mm -hmm. of who they were Mm -hmm. so to actually see it you know it it was more emotional uh but that's exactly it. It's yeah, Ikora I is to... not the comedian. Ikora, you can kill Ikora, and people will notice. People will be upset. Yeah, and I think uh, to your point, um, it kind of kind of depended on your stake in the game of Destiny, whether you, mm. losing Yolder was a big deal or not for you. Like I have friends that I play with who don't give a crap about the lore, and they were just like, "Why do I care if she died? Like it's just another guardian to me." And I'm like, oh, you, don't, you have no idea. <laughs> but so it kind of depends. Like if you are invested in, in Destiny, like you, if you played Iron Banner, you know, every, every month when it came on and you dealt with Salad, and then you're going to have that deeper empathy with him and the people he was close to. And likewise, if you had, you know, Yolder's Hammer in year one and you, you got some of the flavor text from her throughout the, the years, like you're going to feel that empathy mm-hmm. for her. But if you didn't really have those moments, then you're not going to care <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. but kind of a, a 
Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. I was just gonna say, kind of a fun fact. Uh, I just I went to IMDb.com and was looking up Destiny Two, and at the moment, Gina Torres is the only confirmed cast member for Destiny Two. Gina Torres is the is Ikora Ray's character, which is kind of, I thought was interesting. <laughs> so I don't know if some a fan just kind of created that and added her on there or what, but it says directed by Luke Smith, cast Gina Torres. Huh. That's it. She... Doesn't mean she's gonna live very long. No, it's it's very true. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's already got her lines done. Yeah, she's, she's done. <laughs> confirmed, your part is done. We don't need you anymore. That's why, that's why she's yeah. already confirmed. Yeah. Well, kind of adding on what we were you're talking about before about her being the perfect character, or not maybe not the perfect character tonight, but kind of of the vanguard. Yeah. Why she would be the one that might be the one that, that was killed off. I think she's the most powerful of the three, and that's like there's, true. I I believe it is true. And there's even comments <laughs> about. Cage almost always loses to Zavala in, te- in uh, bets in the Crucible, and Ikora one time. whooped Shax. So, I'm a I'm gonna go with Ikora, but I th- I think she has that that presence of power too, and I think if you're losing your warlock, she has that your presence Ikora, of pretentiousness. She <laughs> she has mastered the the storm. She's a Voidwalker. She's a Sunsinger. She's got everything. Like she's a badass warlock. And to lose her, I think that's huge. And I think that kind of speaks to the the dire situation that we're in more than if you lost any of the others. See, I wasn't expecting everyone to actually agree. I was really expecting to get a lot of shit. I uh, I, I hope they <laughs> don't because I love Ikora. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'd r- rather them yeah. kill the comedian <laughs> in this sense. Like kill, kill five comedians. Kill the gunsmith and the cryptarch and... The lady who sells shaders. Eva. <laughs> People <laughs> like Eva. Grandma, I, I, like, I like Eva too. Got that grandma that crazy too. cat lady. <laughs> I, I, I like Eva too, but I'd rather lose her than Ikora. <laughs> well, it's because you don't really have a connection to anyone else. Like, the only people you really have a connection to are the Vanguard. Well, actually, um, like, even Amanda Holiday, maybe, but everyone else is just Amanda, kind of like, I, oh, we're just there. It's, it's actually... um. It's it's sort of funny because with Rise of Iron, um, the Nexus, uh, Tanix, and Abomination. No. Well, what was the other one? The uh, the third strike that came back. It was a it was well, Abomination. Omnigal. Or Omnigal, that's right. Yeah. Um, those three Crota's strikes. Will. I think that's it. Well, Will of Crota, but yeah. Will of Crota. Um, those three strikes came back, and they had they had her and Cade be the narrative leads on it, and it did. It wasn't just Ikora's reading the lines like you're going into this mission and blah 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 blah. It was building. It was up Cade. Why are you character. here? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was making people like, oh, I I like Ikora. Ikora's pretty mm. fun. Mm. He's cool. You know, it was sort of building up an attachment to her. And I, I, I don't know. I think, and that's what I mean. You can't just open up Destiny 2 and say, Ikora's dead. You know, it would be, in my opinion, how... That's what they did in Kate Taken King. Like, and the queen is dead. Like, they no! didn't, though. They didn't <laughs> at all. They're not, she's not dead. Come on. <laughs> well, that's what they made you think, though. 
No, I didn't think I it from the get go. Yeah, from immediately she was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she is for people who are not versed in you the guys, lore. You guys were in denial. She, <laughs> she is so much more powerful than any of us know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> except for not. I think like how how I would see it working is we do start with Zavala's team, so. Obviously, what we want to do is to retake the city, but I think I think the city will be like one of the the last areas we go to because we need to prepare before we relaunch an attack, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we can sort of excuse me go on our own missions solo, and while doing that, we'll get seemingly unimportant cutscenes about like what's going on in the city and we'll see interaction between Cade and Ikora and you know people are interacting with Cade but Ikora is always there just not being interacted with and she's snarky she's sort of mocking Cade and sort Mm -hmm. of nudging Cade to like you know step up more and do the right thing and stuff like that and so we're built up like with this falsehood that Ikora is there, Ikora is fine, Ikora is bugging Cade, and then when we mm-hmm. finally do get there, Ikora isn't there, and it it wouldn't be like one of those things where it's like, oh, where's Ikora? It would just they would just it would just be visually seen where like Zavala is like reacting with Cade with Ikora not being there. Oh, do you guys have you guys watched Scrubs? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Ben. Oh that, no. Yeah, that no. episode. Of, yeah, I have not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like. I literally just got chills because I was like, "Where do I? Where is this familiar?" And like, I got chills thinking about it. But like, yeah, that episode <laughs> with. Uh, where do you Brandon think we are Frazier. right now? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, like that, I, that moment right there is just like, oh. <laughs> that would be heartbreaking if they did that with like Cora and Destiny Two. Oh. Just Cade doing this and like, Cora, let's do it. And Zavala just like, Cade, what do you think's going on? And yeah, then she's gone. And like. No. What do you think's going on right now, Kate? I'm like, oh. Now, we watch Scrubs probably the whole series probably once or two times a year. And, like, every time we get to that episode, it's like my wife and I forget it's that episode until, like, that last scene. We're like, oh, shit, no. <laughs> Not this again. Oh, it's such a painful yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like, to me, I, I was a huge Firefly fan. Mm-hmm. And so, Ikora and Cade mean a lot more to me because of that. Because they do kind of, they have, they have the same kind of character. Yeah, it's like they have the same kind of character as they did in Firefly, where Nathan Villian is kind of that captain. Like it seems like he's just been a lot longer, so he's become more like, I guess, uh, careless in it because he was but mm-hmm. a lot more reserved as kind of a space captain. But Ikora was still, no, Martina Torres was still kind of that tough. Um, lady who was just always get in there and she was good with a gun and she wasn't like feminine she wasn't masculine she was just you didn't mess with her and her and Kate had that specific like that relationship where he'd kind of have crazy ideas and she'd go no don't do that (laughs) she was kind of the voice of reason and so to me it does make the relationship a lot deeper within destiny and so seeing her be that way with Kate and destiny too if she had died and having her be kind of the voice of reason to him, it makes a lot more sense to me. And it's like, that's what Ikora was to Kate in my mind. Mm-hmm. She was the one, Kate, don't do this. Don't, like, that's a bad idea. Well, and even though he always <laughs> joked around, like, she still was kind of that voice of reason to him, and he respected her for that. 
and that's mm. why she's still there in his mind. I, he can't let go of that. I wouldn't say that's what she is, like, from what we've seen, but I can see that's what she is, like, in a behind-the-scenes, like, behind the lore, and mm-hmm. they can build that up as a D2 thing, where Kate's, like, you know, he's not being the good leader, and she's sort of pushing him to be the good leader, and she's clearly becoming his his conscience and stuff like that. Yeah, but, and, and that idea is kind of biased with me being yeah. a Firefly fan exactly. of what's <laughs> happening behind the scenes. It might not actually be happening, but in my mind, that's what's happening <laughs> because I feel like it just works so <laughs> well. So, so on the topic of well, characters this, dying in Destiny this, uh, 2. <laughs> really, really quick, uh, I just want to say uh, before we before we move on to anything else, uh, this sort of got away. I, you know, I was actually expecting someone to sort of challenge the theory, uh, but you're you you're all pretty much in agreement that it's a possibility. Because I'm not saying like this is like mm-hmm. gonna happen, but it's it's uh, it's a hopeful uh, possibility. Yeah. I would definitely, for me, I would say it's more likely that she's that maybe she just dies later in the game, mm. not necessarily falls to, or fell at in the city, and not necessarily that you have the whole she's part of Kate's imagination now, but mm-hmm. I definitely could see, I definitely see the, the story benefit of a character like Ikora mm-hmm. being killed in the game. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like you look at any movie or TV show. It's like what really like kind of nails in the story is that character that you love, like being killed. Like, so then I guess like a lot guess, of times you know like you don't want to make it too Hollywood like oh of course everyone lived it's Hollywood it's like yeah. it's the movies that are real that are really the good movies and... it's this is a case though of one of those if this actually happens is in ex, not an expansion but like a sequel character getting killed off so it's not like um let's see like a start of the game death oh um uh, Corporal Jenkins from the original Mass Effect title uh, originally was killed within the first 20 minutes of the game, maybe even 10 minutes of the game, uh, and he's mentioned throughout the rest of the series, and it's supposed to be like some sort of emotional trauma, like a trauma. But the problem is, is that you had like one conversation with him, and that was it. <laughs> um, yeah. But th- this is a sort of a sequel development. This is a character that we've had attachment to. So I, I I'm having a hard time coming up with a character that. Um, like it was alive in like the original works, but and was like killed off in like at a successive work of this sort of importance. Well, I think for me, it's like if if they just started out with her dying, I I wouldn't like it. But if they went with the idea that Anon was kind of going with, like she was still there in his mind, and we had that moment of like, where do you think we are? I think it would make it so more so much more emotional because we would see these cinematics with Cade and Ikora and you'd have that relationship mm-hmm. and at the end you would see Cade react and you would see Cade go from the joking just kind of free will guy to completely like sad and breaking down and I think that would sort probably of, uh... do a lot more than having that background with Ikora that itself would pull on everyone's heart and make them feel emotionally attached to both characters more sort of like what you I don't... mentioned on Sorry. uh an earlier episode I was saying how I didn't like the Rally of the Troops trailer because Cade was still same Cade. I don't when all that is going down and Cade's still just fucking off, like I, I got pissed off, you know, but if that's the reason why like if Cade is sort of in denial right now, 
and that's why he's still fucking off. And then he has that moment, that scene, like a uh, that like, like grounding purple, moment. That like purple said, maybe it's because that moment hasn't happened yet. Like we're gonna see it in game, and mm-hmm. it's it's a scene like that where he goes, Ikora is dead, and he has to accept Ikora is dead because of me because I was fucking off. And we just see this like dramatic shift in Kate's character. That's that's. I I think it's so yeah. unlikely to happen, but I want it to happen so bad. And that's sort of what I wanted to ask. Um, since since everyone's sort of in agreement with the possibility of this, at least, uh, it's it's not really a discussion at this point of like countering theories and ca- countering your counter uh but i still want it to be a good uh good show <laughs> not just yeah. everyone going yes Actually, yes yeah. you're right we agree this is good yes yes shaking hands well no and yes, you've done this <laughs> several times i'm pretty sure where you come up with like crazy theories and you presented them like okay someone's gonna yeah, disagree what, with this but you present was, them so it well where it's like how do we argue with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you so when right. You're a guest, That's the like, We don't have enough three or something. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> on this like some theory, we're like, oh, yep, we like it. Sounds good. Yeah. But, <laughs> but so I then, just... Uh, just just to sort of keep it to be like a good discussion, uh, maybe not so much lore, but like the actual story, uh, uh, in this whole realm, like what like narrative differences, like like that, like a character's death and emotional attachments and stuff like that would you like to would you hope for in destiny 2 maybe not so much expect but hope for i was Um, going to bring this up earlier um there there's we had the antagonist in crota that we sort of had somewhat of an attachment to kind of sort of through the story of um, the lost fire team and uh just the temple of crota that we see during the main mission um, and then there's a build-up towards Oryx because he's his father of Crota and, you know, he blew up his shrine during Vanilla, so we at least knew a little bit about him before he came into the system. But I'd love to see a narrative reason, a direct narrative reason as to why I should hate Gaul because we, we've had no mention of him in the lore whatsoever before Thank now, you. and yet now he's this main huge antagonist. He blew up the whole city. He's... Not blew up the whole city. You get my point. He attacked the whole city. He was able to destroy everything that we build up during the first game. Uh, just caused this massive destruction, and he just, it just—it feels like it's coming out of left field. Like, and I feel as if, you know, either whether he has a personal hand in this death of Ikora that we're throwing around, it maybe he kills her at the beginning of the game, and you know we have that sort of attachment to him to gain revenge for our lost warlock vanguard, or maybe he kills her in the middle of the game. Um, depending on how long the story is going to be, how long the story missions themselves are going to be. So I think in the long run, I, establishing his antagonism through both the destruction of the city and um, just the loss of Ikora Ray or whoever else might be killed during this would be a great idea. Um, the thing we haven't had a lot of experience with is just dealing with a lot of very personal emotional attachments to the story i i haven't felt a lot of like wow this is amazing i i feel like i've done a lot as a guardian that kind of thing despite you know the uh the guardian card that was released with uh the rise of iron it's just like i i want to feel more 
attached to these characters. I want to feel even more attached than I already am than studying their backgrounds and lore. I'd, I'd love to see something that creates a good antagonist, not just these uh, stereotypical bad guys that are here to blow everything up because they're bad. So, yeah, that's something I'd like to see changed personally. I think yeah. I'm honest. So, so um, uh, two things. One, I actually really like how Gaul sort of came out of left field, like you said. I think I think that's good to sort of like give uh, the Guardians and our character this sort of like whiplash attack where it was not foreseen. It like it was sort of foreseen, but it was still like it still got us at a surprise. It still knocked us on our ass because it really shows that we're not the strongest. But what I can't fucking stand and again is Cade's involvement involvement in the Rally of the Troops trailer because he called Gaul Gary and that's absolutely infuriating to me because I, I don't like it like I know everyone's everyone's loving it and they're like oh it was so funny I didn't laugh at all I didn't either I thought it was the dumbest shit like I thought it ruined I thought it ruined what the like you're you're building up D2 to be a joke and I didn't like that. I wanted Gaul to be someone I hated for destroying the city. And I understand you're trying to sort of build in like a comic relief so it's not too stressful, it's not too serious. But at some point, you really need to draw a line and say, we are going to be serious. We're not going to be a joke. Every every corner isn't going to have a joke behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just upsetting to see Cade. Cade and last call perfect i thought that was fantastic i thought that was very appropriate for his character for the scene for everything for what it was building up thought it was great but rally the troops should have been nothing but zavala because that was his time and Cade mm-hmm. had no place in it i just i just wanted to say that see because i was kind of with what mike was saying i kind of started getting this like idea of what the story i want from destiny 2 is and it kind of would make that scene okay. Like if, and it really does rely on Ikora dying. And I feel like that is really what would make the story great. Because then you could go into this game and meet up with Zavala and he'd be serious. And you meet up with Kate and he'd be joking around and having fun. And then you'd play the game and maybe like half an hour in, everything's still kind of fun and enjoyable. And you hit this point where you meet back up with Zavala. And Kate has that moment where he calls out to Ikora. And you are there with him and just Zavala. And Zavala comments on it and goes, okay, Ikora's gone. And you just kind of, it's just that. And then you learn in that moment what really happened to Ikora and that Gaul killed him Mm. or killed her. And then you have (laughs) Cade kind of break down and kind of like pound his fist. Like, I will murder Gaul. And it kind of makes that all okay because then it's, it's that he's still in denial, and that's why he's joking around with Gaul's name. He's still at this point where he doesn't want to accept anything that's happening, so he's just treating it like it's a game. Like, there's going to be a ton of loot. Like, you might die, you might not die. Like, what's this guy's name? It's just, it's not taking it seriously. It's treating it as a joke because he was still in denial over the death of Ikora. And I think that would make it a really deep storyline and make it appropriate to have that joking at the beginning. And And that's... That's, uh, sorry, I, I I agree with that. That's the only way I will accept his his bullshit in the beginning, 
and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Cade, and I feel like I'm gonna get fucking crucified for saying for calling <laughs> Cade's bullshit because that's what it was. It, he had no place in that trailer. Mm-hmm. I feel. I would have been so much more impacted by that trailer because I have a, I'm one of five people in the Destiny community that likes Zavala's antics over Cade's antics. I I almost prefer Zavala just because he's a lot like me, <laughs> boring, <laughs> completely follows orders, is a hard guy that uh, doesn't take any bullshit. You know, it's, um, I just I feel like I would have been so much more impacted by that trailer. I would have enjoyed that trailer so more so much more than I did. Just like you were saying, Anon, if if it was just Savala standing on top of that, giving a motivational speech saying, This is what we need to do, this is how we need to do it. We've lost a lot of people, we're still going to go forward with this. Because I feel like Destiny Two needs to take a turn from the Taken King, especially, where Cade is just mocking the whole thing through the whole way, just this comic relief through the whole story. Um, it needs to take a turn from that and have a serious, huge character-building moment like this. Um, the, the removal of voice actors from Vanilla Destiny up until now, to me, was a huge... Uh, I've, I've said this on the cast before. I just I did not like the removal of the voice actors from um, the vanilla up and through the uh, through the DLCs. I had a little bit more of an attachment to my character even during vanilla, just because he had his own personality. Whereas now he's a silent idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just need I need to have a scene like that where I can get even more emotionally attached to these characters because I've never felt really a personal connection to their personalities before now. Before, if this happens, I, I, that would get me riled up to kill this son of a bitch who destroyed my city and hurt my friends. See, I don't think we really need any further reason to be attached to ourselves other than it's ourselves. I actually sort of, <clears throat> I don't know if I like, but I'm definitely not against them removing uh, the main, our guardian's voice. Uh, because, like... It's me. I love me, you know, obviously. I want more focus on Cade's dialogue. I want more like in Taken King, we weren't really in the cutscenes, you know. It was mm-hmm. it was Cade meeting with Amanda Holiday and he's like, "I need you to um uh, sign me up for a covert op mission." And she goes, "Cade, like I can't do that." And he goes, "Okay, well, how about blah 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 blah." And she's like, well, "How about a test drive?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that works too." Like, mm-hmm. I want more of that. If it if it's more of that at the sacrifice of me looking at shit and even even if I have a line where I go, oh like that's pretty much all you really say in vanilla, anyway. You don't you're True. not you're not making an impact. So I don't mind voice actors not being there. <laughs> I should I should clarify the I, I'm not I shouldn't be expecting like a. I don't know, a Bioware-esque story. I mean, Bungie, even though I, I really liked Halo and the fact that, you know, Master Chief didn't really have a lot of uh, character development himself, there was, it was just, I felt more attached because he had a personal relationship with Cortana. There was a relationship, there was a very deep relationship there. Um, I, I felt more attached to the story because my own character had character. Um Whereas in it just in Destiny in general, I've found it very hard to get invested into the story. Whereas I love the lore, I love getting into the lore because there's so many things that you can dive into. But 
the story itself is, is just something I've never had a huge I've never found it impactful to the point where it's you know changed my outlook on the game overall it's it's just been kind of bland to me See, um that's that's where I, I disagree like when I play like the only other game I've played recently is is like Ratchet and Clank when I'm playing Ratchet and Clank, Ratchet has his own personality, and I'm watching scenes where he's talking and he's developing, and he's changing, and it's you're evolving with the character. But I'm never at any moment, even though you play as Ratchet, I'm never at any moment thinking like, "Yes, this is me." Whereas in Destiny, there's no cutscenes where like I'm saying things and I'm thinking to myself like, "I wouldn't really say that," or "I wouldn't really do that." And so I do sort of have a little bit of another layer of immersion where, you know, I feel like I am the guardian and I am doing things. And maybe like, maybe it's, it, I do sort of feel like uh, just a pawn of the city, but at the same time, it's like, I'm a hero of the city. So mm-hmm. it's sort mm-hmm. of all right. Yeah. So that's why I actually liked, like, that's what I liked about the vanilla cutscenes. It's like, like you even mentioned, like they didn't really... It's not like our character was given these yeah. huge speeches in these cutscenes. Like, we were just present. That's all that mattered. Yeah, I, I'd and rather us allowed... have a line in a cutscene yeah. than be in a cutscene and have no lines. Because that, I understand, is weird. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying, like, don't give us, like, paragraphs of dialogue where we're right. creating a character of our guardian. Because mm-hmm. then it yeah, would be us. That. That's, that's one of my few critiques of, of andromeda actually is a mass effect is like i love the fact that you can go through the story and like you your choices are your choices and it affects the player but then like i would select a, like the text that i wanted to convey and then the way they interpret that for the character and then the way the character would then say it to the people around it like most of the time I was like well that's not really how i yeah. meant it or that's not really how i wanted you to react like the text says, like kind of, hey how are you and you're thinking it's hey how are you but he goes hey how are you and people are like oh, yeah what the exactly. fuck's up with this thing? <laughs> <laughs> like hell or like see those in 90 percent of the time I'd, I'd select something and then my my character starts flirting and i'm like wait i didn't tell you to flirt i just said to ask <laughs> how the day is <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind them going back to just <laughs> the vanilla text where I did like it because it it gave a voice to the character, but not a big one. And they were kind of generic voices, and so you at least had some more depth to the cutscenes, yeah. but it never well, felt like this is its own crazy character. Yeah, and it made them present. Like it made like I love the Cade cutscenes. I love getting to know the other characters in Destiny. I love getting to know the Vanguard, getting to know Eris, Amanda Holiday, all that. But I also like seeing our guardian as the main focus yeah. like i liked mm-hmm. it's the cutscene we are seeing, going to visit the queen you know it wouldn't have been as epic if it was just a cutscene of Caden, the queen although that would have been really cool lore wise i'm like oh my god the queen and cater meeting but like it doesn't have that same hold on your character like oh my i just visited the queen of the reef mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Take like I I like being that's it's exact exactly how I feel about it, uh, Dragon. It, it's I I don't I'm not looking for a Mass Effect style thing where I'm stylizing my character. Even though I love Mass Effect, Mass Effect's my favorite video game series of all time by far and away. Um, it's um, I'm tr- trying to find the words for this. I I want to be the focus of attention. I I've never felt that 
casting the focus on my ghost over the last few DLCs has been a benefit. I mean, through uh, the first DLC, didn't people didn't really talk at all, but um, like having Eris Morn being the only one talking during the entire DLC of um, uh, Dark Below was a huge mistake narrative-wise. I mean, that whole DLC was a mistake, but uh, except for the raid, of course. But um, I, I, I just want to have a present role with my guardian instead of my ghost talking through me because my ghost isn't me. I'm not controlling my ghost through the game. I'm controlling my guardian and not having him talk and just having ghosts say everything for him is just... I mean, the, just to give an example, the cutscene at the end of Rise of Iron where you are declared a Rise of Iron or a Lord of Iron and you put your you know sword down. It's like this is supposed to be this epic shot. He's silent through the whole thing. He doesn't say a word to... He doesn't say a word to uh, Saladin saying, you know, thank you for this honor or whatever it happens to be. Even just one line like that would have made me feel better about becoming a Lord of Iron. Instead, I, I've forgotten until the last two seconds that I even was a Lord of Iron until now. It, it, <laughs> I forget until I go to the temple and then I walk by Saladin. And he's like, hello, fellow Lord or something like that. <laughs> like, exactly. oh, yeah, I'm an Iron Lord. I think we definitely need to see a lot of cutscenes where we at least have some line. And I want to see a lot of us communicating with Zavala and Kate specifically. Because we haven't had a lot of lines with us communicating directly with the Vanguard. And yet we're we're supposed to be this awesome guardian. And I know they kind of want to give it the the idea that everyone is that special guardian. But it's like with our story, we need to have those scenes where it's like Kate talking straight to us in a cutscene. It's like we're there mm-hmm. with him, and he's saying, "This is what we're gonna do. This is our plan." Like acting like mm-hmm. you are the special guardian who's top of the yeah. line spec ops, well, and they really need stuff like that. In the lore, we are an indiv- ind- individual guardian. It's not this. I mean, I, I mean, it makes a mention in the um, the setup to I think it was the Taken King that um, this guardian will lead the fire team against. Um, against oryx and it doesn't say that oh well all the guardians that assisted us on the mission against you know defeating oryx in the first place was you know they're all the special ones it's the guardian it's constantly promotes us as the guardian um obviously we have our fire teams there are a bunch of other guardians in the tower but within our individualized stories regardless of whether this is a multiplayer game or not within our individualized stories i want to feel important I want to feel like I'm directly corresponding with the Vanguard commander five times a week. Um, it's not my ghosts talking on my behalf because just because Nolan North has a great has a great voice. It, it I, I want to feel a little more important than I already do in in the actual story. I'm not talking about the lore, just within the story itself directly. That was yeah, a little bit of rant. <laughs> no. I was gonna say, but yeah, if we're, if we're talking about things like that, I kind of hope comes at d2 or that improves a little bit and on destiny 2 is the way that our guardian is recognized i guess Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite things about skyrim and uh um oblivion was as you played the game people treat you differently they recognize Mm -hmm. you they um call you different names based on your accomplishments or you know, run away from you <laughs> based on your accomplishments, um, and maybe not necessarily like not necessarily to that extent. Like it's not we don't want Destiny to be a completely different game than what it is, but 
maybe more so than it is now is what I would hope. It's like I know if you get every now and then you'll get a line from Zavala or someone about killing Oryx, but that's really all you get it's right now. Like a little flavor dialogue. Something yeah. something I'd actually I wish was an originally in Destiny thing, but I I think the T rating really holds it back from mm-hmm. this ever being a possibility. Is I wish there Sex was Saints. more. Uh, nope. <laughs> I'm I'm not. Uh, I mean, God, I feel I feel like I shouldn't say. It. I wish there was more r- racial issues. Not. Not necessarily, I wish there was racism in Destiny, but I wish there actually was, like, some racial issues within Destiny, where it's like, if your character is an EXO, like, you know, not everything runs the same way, or if your character's an Awoken, not everything is the same, you know, type of that. Because, like, if you look around the tower, there's no Awoken, there's no EXO, there's only humans, and the Reef, there's only the Awoken Guard, and the cutscenes for the Reef, if you're an Awoken... I feel like, if anything, the queens should hate you a little bit more. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Where it sort of reflects the lore of, like, oh, if you're an Earthborn Awoken, you're not only seen as an outsider, you're seen as a traitor. Mm -hmm. So. And even if you're, like, if you're an Exo and you're you're going down to the city in Destiny 2, like. You're a war machine. The people in the city are going to be kind of like looking at you like, oh my gosh, that's a a computer. (laughs) What is this thing? Is that a war mine? What is it? Yeah, because like. uh, I think that would be really interesting to see. uh, Sorry, the Exo card says how like they, they, if if you're human, I'm human. And how uh, like look at the Vex, there's nothing human in them. Like that type of thing where an Exo would be treated differently because he's an Exo type of mm-hmm. thing stuff like that i i wish could exist yeah. yeah i agree i hope both um that nick whether we're human exo awoken i hope there's big differences in the game with that as well as our current classes um that's something i've yeah. talked about for a little while now with even with destiny is like if you pick yeah. a hunter a titan a warlock it's like yeah you have different powers but for the most part they're the same like if you're playing like you there's not really a huge advantage except for the supers for each class. Like I want there to be like I want the Titan to be this slow moving well, tank. That's not gonna happen. Uh Bungie has hey, said never... that Bungie has said they don't want the Holy Trinity in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what want... uh, an interesting way to do that yeah. balance would be with their interactions with other people. Because I don't think they're gonna be able to change that too much, but like one thing I was thinking about, like, like you said, we're gonna be down in the city in Destiny Two, and we're gonna be interacting with other people, um, and hopefully there's a lot of NPCs that are just hanging around, and it'd be really yeah. cool to see, like, if you're human, you get just treated normally, yeah. um, but if you're awoke and like have everyone you pass or get near, like have them kind of bow their head a little bit, um, and then have like if you're an EXO, anyone you walk past kind of Avoids just turns them. away from you, yeah. yeah, and just kind of just that little like subtle body movement that hints at like i'm not sure what to do with you because like that that sort of opens up to like future expansions where that's an issue like in an expansion like that could actually be a plot device in an expansion where the awoken aren't happy uh because of this or the exo aren't happy because of that and not even just races but i think 
especially with the city being destroyed, like now is the time where factions need to be established. Factions can't just be a badge that you can switch every week and they're only they're only there for loot. Like they need to be an actual thing. And if I'm repping Dead Orbit, I should be repping Dead Orbit and like yeah, I guess technically you should be able to change it, but because you don't you might not necessarily know what you want right away and it would be mm-hmm. dumb to be like oh well remember that decision you made week one when you didn't know anything about the game well you're fucking stuck with that now mm-hmm. uh, that that would be lame but like if you're dead orbit people like there should be like more new monarchy citizens because new monarchy now more than ever is going to be recruiting like everybody not just guardians the the humans too and I'd like to see if I'm Dead Orbit or if I'm Future Warcult and I'm walking through like a new monarchy populated area, like, you know, they aren't going like, how's it going, Guardian? And they're happy to see me. Instead, they're sort of like chastising me for like, they're like, they're, they'll call me a coward or a war fanatic or something like that, you know? Like, I want people to not think of me as just the best thing ever and like mm-hmm. point out flaws and how they see you no, i agree so like because that that to me it's, it's sort of like we're sort of being told that we can't do wrong right now and if if someone's playing this game and they're choosing dead orbit and then they go into this area and they're getting they're getting called a coward you know if they don't know anything about dead orbit and they're they're what they're, they're like why, why, why are all these people calling me a coward like what's going on? Like I just I just killed Gaul. Why am I getting called a coward? Mm-hmm. They're gonna look into it and be like, oh, so this this whole thing, like where, like dead or yeah, where wants I feel like you leave. can't really have that right now. Well, you should. Yeah. I mean, because you can't have that within Destiny One because all we've seen is the basically the wild and then the. T- tower and in the tower everyone sees us as guardians we're we're held on a high pedestal in the tower because that's who we are but like once we get down to the city we might see that everyone thinks very differently of us and we'll get to see different factions and different people and people who aren't guardians who aren't here just to serve guardians and see the reactions Mm -hmm. to us it'll be really interesting to see how they pull that off and also um the trinary star cult because they they uh they blame the traveler like they they don't like the fact that we worship the traveler they don't want anything to do with it if they can become more of a presence saying like the city fell because you worship the traveler because you let the guardians be here so like just in general there could be like uh star cultists just mocking you and you don't know why Mm -hmm. Like stuff, stuff that would make you hear it and then go, "Why is this happening?" Something that like, not just a little banner on the bottom of the screen because you picked up a ghost or because you killed someone saying Grimoire card unlocked. Something that's gonna actually incentivize people to look into the lore and figure out like, mm-hmm. why am I getting called this? Why are people fucking with me? It was a codex. <laughs> no, fuck that. So- that's a dumb idea. So before we wrap this up, okay, then. I just have one, one uh, question. <laughs> I've been hearing a lot. Speaking of people dying in Destiny Two, I've heard been hearing a lot of theories about people thinking the speaker is going to die. Do you guys think that's a possibility? Do you no. think it's likely? Not likely? No. 
I actually have a hope for what is up with the speaker, actually. <laughs> I so want him to die. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't want him to die. I want him... His character, if you look in the lore and, uh, you know, uh, you obviously know we have, we, we, uh, DLC has someone, uh, and, oh, yeah, actually it is finished, so that, that should be soon. Uh, DLC has someone, uh, sort of as a part of the team, uh, other, in the same, in the same, uh, position as, uh, Rhino, whose first project piece is actually on the speaker. So looking over the speaker a little bit to sort of like help and sort of guide and say like here's some cards that you should reference. Uh, you sort of see there's a little bit of an evolution with the speaker where he used to be very confident in what he is and what he does and he was sort of if you don't like what I'm telling you then you can leave and I'm the only thing that's right and I'm the only thing that's good and sort of my word is gospel stuff like that. And now, he's sort of looking like, oh crap, have I been messing up this whole time? Like, have I been, like, really, really doing the wrong things? Have I been making the wrong decisions? Is everything that's going wrong happening because of me? Like, Mm -hmm. that type of stuff. And I would love to see, because the speaker's not seen in any of the scenes, uh, a mission where we have to go find the speaker because... When everything started going down, he got separated from everybody because he didn't want to be he didn't want to be seen. He felt entirely like he feels entirely responsible for the city being destroyed by the cabal. And not necessarily because of the cabal, but just because of like everything that he's done. And he's like, if it wasn't for me, like we could have been stronger. And like so there's this whole scene in my head at least, or this whole mission that leads to this scene in my head where like we just like find him hiding out in the woods and uh he doesn't have his mask on anymore like he's he's done because he's because that's sort of like the symbolic uh portion of the speaker the mask the anonymity um Mm -hmm. so it's just like he's just sitting out there and we have to like go up to him and he's like go away guardian and it's like the people need you and he's like it's my fault the city fell and like just like stuff like where he's like very like very much beating himself up for everything that has happened and like it really something that would like actually like sort of solidify that he's not a bad guy where it's like oh man he's just really dumb yeah one one of my favorite uh flavored texts is from a quest talk to the speaker and like it's kind of one of those quotes where they they kind of probably put it in there almost as a joke because for all the comments near one about the speaker being quiet and not talking and not having time to explain anything with the same as the stranger. Um, and so this kind of, is kind of like a play on, on that joke, but at the same time, I think it speaks to his personality a little bit. And then kind of like the fact like he's something's happening in his, in his life where he's kind of reco- recollecting and like, am I doing things right? And it it's from the, our ghost and he says the speaker, the old, ma- old man's actually gotten a lot quieter since we showed up. He used to be a lot more talkative. To me, at least. He seems like he's spending a lot of time just thinking about something. Hmm. And so I think it kind of definitely speaks to the kind of that same, yeah, same change in attitude. Something's going on. 
he's realizing. With him. I think I think mm-hmm. he's starting to realize because he kicked out Osiris because he didn't want Osiris's teachings in the city. He thought they were blasphemous and bad and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, oh fuck, I really gotta get back yeah. in touch with Osiris. Kicked out Ulantan, banished Toland. <laughs> what do you mean? They sent Saint fourteen after Osiris and Saint fourteen didn't return. No, we don't. I feel know. like that would be a rub. We don't know what happened to Saint Fourteen. He could have returned. We don't know the second part of the story. Just because we don't have the full story doesn't mean that Saint Fourteen died. Doesn't mean that Saint Fourteen teamed up with Osiris. Doesn't mean anything. It means we don't know the full story. People really need to understand that. Well, based on the information we have, we know that he went looking for Osiris, and we based don't on know the what information, after that. yeah, exactly. We don't know what happened after that. <laughs> But you could say that for any story, it still doesn't make anything invalid, but it's just based on what we have, we know that he left and that from what we know, he hasn't come back. Mm. And so I feel like that could be a big moment for the speaker, having Saint-14 be like he was the star pupil, he was the good child who did everything right, and he was the strong hope, like the strongest hope of the city. Having him like chase after someone that the speaker saw as bad and not coming back... Um, whether he died or didn't find Osiris or Osiris like teamed up with Saint Fourteen, like I, I could see the speaker having just all those questions running around in his head ever since then. Mm-hmm. It's like, what actually happened? What did I do wrong mm-hmm. in that situation? Yeah, I can see that as well. And and really, uh, if they were to like sort of kill the speaker immediately, it, I feel like that would just be another like. Don't kill the comedian. Kill the like, comedian. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if they killed the speaker in the first cutscene, I'd be like, bye. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I feel like that is the issue. At this point, we still haven't really gotten a lot of connection to any character in the game. Like Saladin a little bit, Kate and I core a little bit more now, but we still, even with the whole Destiny 1... There's not really any character that we have this true emotional connection to. I think if Cade, Cade would be the only character where someone killed Cade at this point, like just at the beginning of Destiny 2, everyone would be upset. But I think everyone else, like if they killed someone at the beginning of Destiny 2, they'd be like, well, that's kind of a bummer, but I guess moving on. Yeah. It, I, if they killed Cade at the beginning of Destiny 2, no one would be upset, but people would be mad because they're like, you can't mm-hmm. take away Cade. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they, they just gotta do it. Sense. Yeah, if they're gonna kill anyone, they gotta do it the right way. They can't just kill someone for the sake of... Yeah, that's... We, ha- we have to kill someone to make it something. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to do it for the right reasons. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like Akora is the perfect character for that. Sadly, so. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because, like, I didn't I didn't really care about her, but then Warlock Vanguard lore cast, and I was just sort of like, you know, she's actually pretty cool. So I actually <laughs> will be... You know, like, if... it's. Like, if they were to kill her right now, I'd be a little upset. But if they were to kill her, like, after, like, really actually developing her character, like, on-screen developing her character, I would be upset. It would be it would be yeah. upsetting to watch. But, um... That's why I feel like a middle-of-the-road story death would be a great yeah. narrative addition. Or realization of death, at the very least. Yeah, something, yeah. Um... I do hope that Destiny 2 gets darker. I'm not sure how much darker they could go, but I it needs to be darker and more grueling and there needs to be a lot more like we lost everything and this isn't just a fun oh we lost some people let's go win yeah. but like attempting like i really want to see us start 
with the city falling and us going into the city and that being our first thing. And, like, the after the rally, the troops, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go take it back. And we walk in there and we just get destroyed again and just walk out. And, like, that was a bad did, idea. We got to go do something else. Did, did any of you guys play Battlefield, uh, the most recent one? No. 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 When, I don't uh, the, I played, yeah, I played, uh, I've played, only played maybe, like, an hour two hours of the campaign but one of the things i liked about the campaign a lot was like it puts you in these it kind of like tells this narrative and it it tells it and it, it was in a really interesting way um where i would put you in this battle and if it would kind of give you this screen with like a, a with the text and like the story of who your character is and it, would, it was like they were real life characters like would you know john williams born blah 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 and like it tells kind of this brief story of this of the battle and like you start fighting, you're like, all right, sweet, we're gonna do this. You're you're going, you're going, you're going, you're winning, and then all of a sudden like this missile comes or this sniper comes out and like and kills you, and then it comes up and it has like the time that or where the battle that that person died, mm-hmm. and then it kind of cuts into this. You kind of jump into the body of this other character, and you start playing kind of the same thing. It tells the character's kind of story of the battle, and then that character dies, and it was like it was really powerful storytelling in a way because like you you're playing you're like you're like we've got this we're gonna win like obviously when you're playing games you're trying to win and then when you die and it's not like destiny where you can just revive or you can't just start over like you were that character was dead like it was a really powerful feeling yeah well uh i think i think that sort of that sort of finishes everything off uh for this episode right Anyone else have any uh, final final things they want to say? Nope. I think we're good. Mm. I, I really want them to kill Ikora, and I really don't want them to kill Ikora. I'm not <laughs> sure how I, I feel. Will, <laughs> I, I don't both. want them to kill Ikora in a bad way. I want them to kill her in a good way. Yeah. It has to be a good yeah. death. It's still Kill-y. hard to say that, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be... I'd, I'd, I, I'm very... I feel like an asshole... I'm very happy when people die in a good way. <laughs> that Rogue One was my favorite movie because of that. Yeah, they did a very. I'm gonna take good my job. headphones off because I haven't watched that yet. Whoops. <laughs> what? <laughs> Chewbacca died. If you're a Star Wars fan at Dang. all, you should know what happened at the end of that movie. <laughs> Without even watching it. All right. Well, let's not ruin it for anyone. So, <laughs> thanks for all listening. All the Ewoks died. <laughs> That wouldn't be a Thanks lot. for listening. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lurcast. Until next week, you can find us on Twitter at Destiny Lurcast. We love to hear from you. Please give us your thoughts and theories. Like I said at the top, if you want to send us a theory, if we like it, we might discuss it. Uh, if you'd like to help us grow, go leave us a review on iTunes and please actually do this. We 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 want feedback. You know, we've been getting some emails. Uh, we're gonna read a few of those uh, reviews. I'm pretty sure they actually do something, right, Dragon? Like actual reviews. They do. They, yeah, they, they help with, uh, like, if someone were to look for new podcasts, the more reviews you have, it uh, affects how high up your, or how quickly your podcast is going to show up. Mm. Like, if you just go to Games and Hobbies. So, podcasts, essentially, the front page is like, the most reviewed. Exactly. All right. Yep. So, so go, live, go leave us reviews. Good reviews, bad reviews. Not I mean, bad reviews. Not bad reviews. Those are cool too. If, if you have constructive <laughs> criticism, you get yeah, it. that's yeah. that's the key. If you, you have, you don't need to review. If you have bad reviews, you guys are all constructive. Shit <laughs>
those. You can find a us at other great <laughs> podcasts such as Destiny Down Under, <laughs> RNG Cast, Massive Breakdowns, Rabbit Hole Radio. Do they still have purple? I'd be very upset if they still have purple. I miss purple. And the DTR podcast, all in the DTR network. Since we don't have a guest, uh, Dragon, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitch. It's Handsome Dragon. The O's are zeros. And then you can find me on Twitter. And the same. Okay, Guardian, what about you? You can find me at the Guardian Twenty One on Twitter, Reddit, Bungie.net, and so on. I can't believe you changed it, uh, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Mythos Mike. Um, then you can find me on uh, Twitch uh, TV forward slash uh, Mythos Mike. Um, you can find some of my old stuff on uh, PlayDestiny.com. Awesome. And uh, Purple is still not here, and we all miss her. You can find her at Purple Chimera on Twitter, and you can find her reviews on ishtar-collective.net. Oh my god, we actually didn't say it once this episode. Nice! See, that's why uh, Purple needs to come back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you can find me at Anonpig, and on my Twitter, I just had my 10,000th tweet, and to celebrate the 10,000th tweet, uh, I... I I, I guess I can say it. I sort of have a leak at Bungie, and he gave me a rejected script for oh, uh, no. Destiny 2, and I tweeted out the rejected script. It's uh, it's it's in there, you know? Depending on when you listen to this, scroll down a little bit. I tweet a lot, so it might mm-hmm. be like a thousand down by this point. Like, you know? <laughs> but... You'll find it eventually. It's, it's there, and I actually wish they kept the original script. I don't know why they rejected it. I'm just saying. I thought it was good. I thought it was a lot better, you know? It was good. Activision. Yeah. All right. Here. Here this will Guardians. be for, Bax- for Baxter. If you want to uh, see how awesome Ikora is and why she shouldn't die, go to ishtar-collective.net. And just type in Ikora and read all 227 results. Or, or don't. But peace out, <laughs> Gosh.